Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. To mark International Women's Day today, March 8th, organizers are asking participants to, quote, choose to challenge and call out gender bias and inequality with the hope that from challenge will come change something that female entrepreneurs desperately need when it comes to funding their businesses. Despite growing awareness in recent years of the powerful economic and social contributions that women entrepreneurs offer and a rising chorus of support for female-led businesses, venture funding for female founders has hit its lowest point in more than 10 years. According to PitchBook, The percentage of VC capital invested in female-only founded companies so far in 2021 fell to 1.5%. This is down from a high of 2.6% in 2017. Companies founded by a team of females and males fared only slightly better, capturing 11.7% of VC capital so far in 2021, compared to a high in 2017 of 15.3%. For Allie Burns, the CEO of Village Capital, these numbers are discouraging, but not surprising, given the systemic structural gender and racial biases she says she sees at almost every level in traditional venture capital and fundraising models, which is why she explains in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Village Capital has developed and tested a unique investment model that it calls peer selection. This model not only answers the International Women's Day call to choose to challenge bias and inequality, it offers a new lens through which to view the entire conversation, and as Burns puts it, create FOMO among investors in a more meaningful way so that they want to invest in female-founded companies not to support women, but to seize the huge financial opportunity that they offer. So the social justice movement led by the Black Lives Matter movement last spring and summer shined a much-needed but harsh light on many of the biases and inequalities that are ingrained in the daily life in America. Within the fundraising world, Burns explains that these biases surface as misconceptions that female-founded and led businesses are quote-unquote riskier, as seen in the types of questions posed to women in pitch competitions, or the thought that women cannot balance work and family obligations. There is more awareness of the existence of bias, but um, not necessarily um, the movement yet to try to find more ways to to overcome that bias. Um, Although there have been some interesting experiments um, that have happened in the VC space, a firm called Social Capital, and they did a really interesting experiment that basically said if we de-identify a whole bunch of demographic data, what would happen um, when we looked at our pipeline, and essentially they found that a lot more female founders were coming to final diligence um, when they were able to sort of remove that identifying information. Um, so that, um, that is something um, that, that we are seeing um, in general, that you know, there is like an increasing awareness that, that bias plays a role, and that's you know, certainly one of the things that's um, holding back um, the opportunity for women to, to receive investment. But the other is um, at times 
things like pitch competitions um, can be um, more uncomfortable environments for women because they get asked, asked different questions. Um, and that is regardless of whether it's a male investor or a female investor that is asking the questions and things like pitch competition. So men get asked questions that are um, much more um, positive looking. So tell me about the potential of your business. Tell me about how huge the market is. Um, tell me about like how excited you'll be in you know, five years when your company is wildly successful. Whereas the questions that women receive come from a place of more of pessimism. Tell me, tell me about the risk. How are you mitigating them? Um, talk to me about what the biggest barriers are. Um, so women are getting asked questions that focus much more on the risk of the business than the opportunity, um, and men uh, are the opposite. It's not a blanket uh, knock on pitch competitions, but I do think we all need to think about, like, are there ways we can structure them more effectively? When you're a startup and you're scrapping for money and there are tons of pitch competitions and that's you know, the clearest way to sort of get the momentum, um, you, you, know, you don't necessarily have a choice um, to say, like, no, I, I'd rather go a different route. So, um, again, that's why I think kind of thinking about restructuring some of those forums um, in a way that is um, more gender neutral um, would, be, would be something that would go a long way. Burns says she also worries that the perception of women as riskier investment bets was compounded by the pandemic's unique impact on them. In 2020, when more than 2 million women left the labor force, bringing their workforce participation levels to the lowest point since 1988, much of it was related to lockdowns that hit female-dominated industries hard, and the closures of schools and daycares which forced families to make difficult decisions around balancing childcare with paid work. Burns note that this could explain partially the dip in the already low VC investments in female-founded companies. I don't know that anyone's done any real um, research on this, but um, this almost, I mean, I could say implicit, but really explicit bias that um, investors may worry that the impact that the pandemic is having on women and particularly um, mothers uh, may worry about their ability, which is a ridiculous, let me just preface this by saying this is a ridiculous conclusion, but they may worry that uh, women cannot manage a business um, and a family, um, which I think is an overall bias that exists, but it may have been exacerbated in the pandemic. Um, I, I hope that's not the case, but I suspect that it might be. According to Burns, the lack of diversity among VC investment decision makers also could be a significant factor holding back women entrepreneurs. There aren't enough decision makers that look different um, from the, the sort of typical venture capital partner. And in fact, I think I saw some data the other day that there are actually fewer um, women of color in particular um, in investment decision making roles um, in venture capital. Um, than there were in 2020 than there were in previous years. So um, that's another data point that's, that's a little bit, that's more than a little bit discouraging. Um, I do think we need to change who is making decisions in order to change um, the outcomes. To address these and other roadblocks holding back early stage entrepreneurs trapped in a, quote, innovation blind spots, Burns says that Village Capital has spent the last 10 years developing testing, and fine-tuning its peer selection model. 
our journey in this space, you know, since our founding 10 years ago, we've cared very much about supporting entrepreneurs who have traditionally been in, in what our co-founder, Ross Baird, calls the innovation blind spots. Um, and that includes, uh, you know, it includes a lot of different factors, whether it's geography, whether it's the type of problem an entrepreneur is solving. And then if we look at demographic backgrounds, um, again, sort of looking at the data of where capital is going, um, it's largely going to white men in New York, San Francisco, uh, and Boston. Um, and we believe that's a huge missed opportunity. So we've been running a process for the last decade um, uh, of peer-selected investment. So what that means is we essentially ask entrepreneurs to become investors and make decisions on where our capital goes. Um, there's a, a whole process behind it. There's a three-month accelerator program that helps them both build their businesses and learn how to think like an investor, uh, which results in an outcome of an investment decision. And what we found that was interesting when we looked at our portfolio of investments that our portfolio was far more diverse um, than the average seed stage portfolio. We have about half of our companies, just under half of our companies are women-led. Um, and certainly that is not the case if you look across the industry average. And so we started to ask uh, ourselves the question of um, what do we know about the process and what data can we have to better understand how the process might mitigate bias and specifically as it relates to, to gender. So we um, partnered with um, Emory University and a researcher at Boston University to better understand um, how peer selection might be um, helping female entrepreneurs get investment at a, um, at a greater rate. And that study found that um, lo and behold, when you put entrepreneurs together um, and ask them to make investment decisions, they are evaluating companies based on the merits of the company, the, um, the potential for that company to raise more capital, to generate more revenue, to create more jobs, um, and they are not factoring in other implicit bias factors or risk factors that might uh, disproportionately impact women. So we saw that women performed much better um, in peer selection than they did um, in raising investment um, through, through other non uh, peer selected means. Village Capital's observation that its unique investment model led to more diverse portfolio prompted it to take a closer look through an academic review at how its peer selection process might mitigate gender bias and the potential role of accelerators on women founders' ability to raise capital. As Burns explains, the insights revealed by the research were unexpected and quite frankly, upsetting. We're curious to know more. Um, what more could we do to continue to support um, women entrepreneurs? Um, at the same time, the, um, the IFC um, and um, the sort of broader women entrepreneur finance initiative that's being run by the World Bank um, had been looking at data around women and accelerators. Um, and they had some interesting data that showed that um, the good news was that women were being accepted into accelerators sort of at the same rate that they were applying to accelerators. And there was sort of this broader point of view that accelerators were the great equalizer, right? Like if you get, if you can get more diversity into um, and more diverse entrepreneurs into programs that are going to help them more effectively raise capital, um, then that will go a long way in terms of changing the data um, and getting more entrepreneurs into the pipeline um, getting more entrepreneurs the catalytic investment they need to raise those bigger rounds, et cetera. So, um, so 
we decided to partner together um, along with also the um, World Bank's uh, Africa Gender Innovation Lab to take a look to better understand how accelerators were impacting women founders. Um, were they helping them raise more capital? Um, and um, we expected to get insights around how um, you know the you know how much the gender gap was closing, sort of post accelerator. We thought maybe we're you know maybe based on the data that, that the fact that the numbers haven't moved and um, the data that we see sort of post investment that maybe the gender gap was potentially the same, but we did not expect what we found, um, which is that um, uh, accelerators actually are exacerbating the gender gap um, when it comes to equity um, specifically. So women are um, raising less equity essentially when they come through accelerators than if they are not going through accelerators. And the gap between what men, uh, women and men are raising um, increases um, sort of post-acceleration. A closer look at this surprising finding revealed that there are no clear design elements of accelerators on which to pin the gender financing gap, and there also are no clear differences between the quality of the startups, leading the researchers to conclude that investor bias and risk perception may be the culprits. When we dug into the data, we Better wanted, we wanted to better understand, like, what is it about uh, female-led startups in general and, uh, you know, with accelerators that is inhibiting them from being able to raise capital? Like, is it a difference in the quality of the startup? Um, is it a difference, uh, you know, so, for example, our accelerators sort of, um, as they're taking a portfolio approach, like, are the female-led startups, do they have less potential for some way, whether it's um, by... Um, you know, the specific business model they're using or the sector they're operating in or the IP that they have. So we tried to sort of parse out what some of those more tangible differences would be. Um, and we, we didn't find anything that explained that gap. Um, we didn't find anything that explained the gap if we looked at who the founders were in terms of like their entrepreneurial experience. Are, are male-led companies, are they um, – more of the sort of serial startup founder who has more entrepreneurial experience or do they have different education levels? Again, no, no major difference um, in any of those factors. So the indication for us was that there was, their bias is really one of the primary factors at play. Um, and as part of that, uh, possibly a higher perceived risk, um, as I've mentioned previously, that um, there's sort of this um, risk lens that women-led startups often get that, um, that male-led startups do not. So, um, so that was um, something that we wanted to dig into a little bit more um, to better understand um, what was happening so that we could then sort of create some interventions. Um, and our focus right now is better understanding where bias sits at, inve at the investor level. Um, so it's not necessarily to say um, what can, can accelerators change in their programming to better support women entrepreneurs? Um, and, um, you know, certainly there are things that accelerators have done to bring more women on their advisory boards or their selection committees to think about, again, sort of changing processes um, during the, the accelerator 
Um, but we believe that uh, accelerators are actually going to have to um, play a role in investing um, this investor bias and perception of risk um, that, um, you know, is really hanging heavy over <laughs> women-led startups in a way that um, male-led startups don't have to, to deal with. So that is what we're focused on right now. We are um, running a couple of tests um, with investors to better understand where bias uh, plays a role, again, working with uh, uh, academic researchers to run those tests. And then we are um, going to be um, publishing a toolkit um, to help accelerators better understand how to um, address investor bias in their processes. And then we will actually evaluate it, I should say. <laughs> then we will actually evaluate, hopefully others, we will definitely deploy these tactics and others will as well. Um, and we'll be able to evaluate the effectiveness uh, of them. The insights revealed by the research weren't all bad. Burns noted that it also found accelerators appear to remove roadblocks for female-led startups when raising debt. So we did find um, that acceleration does seem to, to reduce the gaps um, for women-led startups who are raising debt capital, um, finding that um, these startups who graduate from Accelerator who are women-led raise, you know, nearly two and a half times as much debt as those that don't, whereas male-led startups see less of a debt boost. So the, the gap, again, is closing when it comes to, to raising debt. And one of the things we posit around that, at least, is this sort of what role risk plays in, um, and, um, in the deployment of debt versus equity. Um, and it's interesting because it's, it might seem a little bit counterintuitive, but I think if women are raising debt, they're positioning their company a little bit differently than they're raising equity. And so that perception of risk we think might be mitigated. This is, again, some of the things that we are, are sort of exploring in our next phase to better understand that. But, yes, that was really positive news for us and something that is also worth diving into to say, like, how could we double down on that? I mean, you know, there are plenty of places where debt is a great uh, mechanism for financing companies, um, and regardless of whether they're male-led or, or women-led, and is there a way that we can leverage that um, to the advantage of, of women-led startups? As Village Capital continues to test systemic changes and develop a toolkit for entrepreneurs and investors, to help reduce the gender financing gap, Burns recommends stakeholders reach out for support from Gender Smart, the Saskawa Peace Foundation, and Pivotal Ventures. A community that I um, am part of that um, is doing some really exciting stuff in this space is called Gender Smart, um, led by a woman um, named Suzanne Beagle. Um, they have some really exciting reporting um, out around um, various le like sort of um, sub lenses on gender investment. Um, it is across asset classes, so it's not necessarily unique to female-led startups, but there is um, certainly a focus on supporting women-led companies as well. Um, and they're particularly um, doing some particularly exciting work on gender and climate change, um, including in sort of the food and agriculture space. Um, so that's, that's one resource. Um, another resource is um, an organization called Sasakawa Peace Foundation. Um, they're actually a partner of ours on this work, but they've been doing work in this space for some time. They developed a gender lens toolkit for um, 
accelerators in Asia sort of based on some preliminary work that they did. So we're all working together to build this new toolkit based on the latest research. It is, it is Asia-focused, but I think it's um, applicable to multiple geographies. Um, so that's certainly um, one aspect. And then there's um, tons of uh, exciting things that are, you know, I, I um, while I don't necessarily dunk on the Bay Area, but while we focus outside of the Bay Area, there's some cool stuff happening in the Bay Area, whether it's Pivotal Ventures um, from Melinda Gates or the Female Founder School, Female Founders Gym. Um, there are some, yeah, there's some really great resources for women founders um, that um, I continue to, to be really excited about seeing more and more of those pop up. In addition to these resources and in the spirit of the International Women's Day call to choose to challenge, Burns also encourages investors, accelerators, incubators, and all stakeholders to rethink the misconception that investment in female and BIPOC founders is low because there isn't a pipeline. She also calls on men to stand beside women and call for change. One of the things that we hear often um, as a blanket cover for why and more investment capital isn't going into women-led ventures or to um, ventures led by um, uh, people of color is that the pipeline doesn't exist. Um, and I would very much challenge that um, to say, get out of your um, old network and create a new one um, because um, the pipeline absolutely exists. The opportunity absolutely exists. And in fact, it's a missed opportunity to not proactively seek out companies that are not in, you know, most investors' typical networks. Um, so that's certainly a challenge, a thing I would challenge. And I would just challenge um, men to be more vocal. A lot of the reason it doesn't happen is because we worry about what are the consequences um, if we speak up, um, whether that's speaking up in our own organizations or um, on social media, and we need men to stand by us and say, absolutely, I see this, I am doing this myself um, to, to change things. Um, because we need 100% of the population to be advocating um, for women's equality, whether it's in entrepreneurship or more broadly, um, if we're going to make some real change. And with that call to action, we have reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.